welcome back to another episode of Speaking Literally, where the books speak for themselves. I'm Liz. And I'm Holly, and we're so excited to be back. So we're going to jump right into our bookish buzz. So some of the um, big news that's been going on in the book world over the last month since we were last with you. I guess it hasn't even really been a month. It's only been about three weeks. So, yeah, Uh, so we'll get started. On September 1st, it was announced that the winner of the fourth right prize was revealed. So Zimbabwe-born Gift Nioni won the 2021 fourth right prize for his short story which is called The Ritual Seat of the King. And he explores in his short story how life of a young boy changes with the ending of the Rhodesian Civil War. So that's awesome. That's pretty cool. And this award, in case you've never heard of it, I know I hadn't heard of it, and when Liz and I were talking about it, she had never heard of it. Um, it's an award that is given um, to writers in the United Kingdom um, for best new black or minority ethnic writers. So what a cool award, and kudos to um, Gift Nioni for, for winning the 2021 award. Great news. Um, yeah, I just looked it up. It's actually also linked to Forza State Publishers. But I think that might be why it's called Forthright. Um, I've heard of them. They did uh, the Troubles book that I spoke about a few episodes ago, uh, The Troubles With Us, which is really good. Yep. <laughs> okay, so the next piece of news uh, comes to us through Netflix. And uh, some of you may or may not have seen Bridgerton Season 1, uh, which is a, a period drama Um and it's also a book series as well. And they confirmed that season two is coming. And this is really exciting. I, I really did enjoy this um, season, this series. So looking forward to seeing what happens next. Um, I've only read the first book, but I haven't read the rest. So I might have to have a little um, a little delve into, into book two and, and see what, what happens. I probably just need to delve into book one and get on <laughs> get on the Bridgerton train because I know this will make a lot of people happy. And for some reason, I, um, I'm i still trying to run to catch the caboose of this train. <laughs> it's nice. It kind of mixes um, your classic period drama with a little bit of more modern day, especially when they do in the season one, they actually have some of the um, orchestras and the balls playing modern songs which is quite interesting oh. um so yeah it's got like nice little sort of mix between the two so it's kind of great for for both audiences really that's kind of cool so uh from a high note to sadly a low note so we did hear that on the on august the 18th uh a famous children's author and illustrator jill murphy unfortunately passed away from cancer age 72 um this was such a a shock for me it was so sad because as a kid and even as a grown-up I used to read a lot of her books to my, my nephews and my nieces um she did the worst witch um she wrote five minutes piece and she wrote so many brilliant books so that's such a such a loss to the the children's book world yeah it's so sad and just cancer sucks <sighs> like I know god it's always the good ones as well always the, the, the good writers it's yeah, you know what's sad is you know there's whenever we do this bookish buzz segment i think you know there's always going to be like the sad news in there as well it's just i guess part of it's you know circle of life but part of it is just you know with covid and cancer and these things that are taking so many people from us it's really sad 
Well, hopefully next next month we might not have a. a let's a let's shoot let's shoot for that. Now. Yes. That's it. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, now to move to kind of a humorous note. Uh, on August twenty, on August fourteenth, which was the date that we were actually recording our August podcast episode, uh, it was Free Comic Book Day here in the United States. So it's a kind of a national event, um, and. For some reason, a public library in Farmingdale, which is in Long Island, New York, was, you know, I think a lot of places did this. Like, they gave out, like, special prizes mm-hmm. and gifts for people who came to their events at their, like, their comic book stores or local bookstores and libraries, you know, because it's it's fun. Like, we, we like, you know, free things and we like fun days like this where, you know, you can enjoy uh things that you love, like comic books, but this um, public library, for some reason, I don't know how it got past the people that were um, stuffing these giveaway bags, but they ended up putting a pornographic comic book into their free giveaway bags that they were handing out to families as they attended the library's event. Um Wow. I wonder how many got accidentally passed out. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't remember exactly what it said, but I know that obviously somebody, uh, communicated and, uh, so, yeah, I, like, as a parent, I'm like, I don't know how I would react. Like, I think it's funny. And, you know, if, if my kid's like, oh my gosh, mom, look at this, I think I'd bust out laughing. Um, but it's just, you know, it happens. Like, things like this happen. And it's just, I just found it really kind of funny. And, um, and I hope that, you know, people aren't giving them too much, you know, (laughs) crap for it. Cause, you know, it, it, it didn't hurt anybody. No one's like, you know, hurt from it. So it was a mistake. It, it happens, but I thought it was pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah. We we actually have a free comic book day over here as well on the same day. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's been quite a new kind of, um, introduction to us um we've done it for about four or five years i think now at least so now we need to call so. it an international comic book day <laughs> exactly yeah let's be inclusive exactly um okay so on to um away from comics and on to back on to the book world and in particular the fantasy series so um for fans of the, the from blood and ash series by uh jennifer almond trout i believe it is mm-hmm. uh Yep, Jennifer L. Armentrout. Um, there is a new book coming, book four. Oh my god, I can't <laughs> wait. I this is like the biggest book news of the month for me at least. Uh, I, I actually got these my birthday, so I'm really looking forward to, to reading these three. Um so book four is titled The War of Two Queens and it's slated to be released on March fifteenth, twenty twenty two. Oh my god. So yeah. Can't wait. Watch the space. Can't wait. That series is just like it it's <laughs> One of my new favorite series. I've been read, I binge read the first two, um, back to back right before the third one came out this past spring. And I had to wait a month yeah. before book three came out. And I think I cried myself to sleep every night because it wasn't out yet. It's such a good yeah, series. You'll, you'll, you'll up so much. I might have to read it this month. I yes. Have to, like, put it at the top of my list. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because then we can talk about it. <laughs> All right. Then to wrap up our news segment, um, you know, New York Times, they always have their bestseller list. And, you know, you always see on covers of books, New York Times bestseller. So this week, um, looking at the, the New York 
New York um, Times bestsellers list. There's some there's some interesting things. Every now and then you you see a book that's been on the list for a while. And Where the Crawdads Sing, a super popular book. Um, I think we mentioned last week. Uh, or last episode that this is becoming a movie that's going to be released next summer. Uh, Where the Crawdads Sing has been on the New York Times bestseller list for 145 weeks. And it's, yeah. I know, like, that's kind of crazy. I don't do math, but I think that, that that's pushing almost six months, I believe. Um, 145 but, weeks, that's like... Uh, oh, no, that's more... Years. I'm thinking days. That's See, I told you years. I don't do math. <laughs> I read, okay? I read books. I don't do math. So that's, that's pretty much, I'm guessing, from the data it was released. Yeah, so, okay, so there's 52 weeks in a year. So, okay, so we're looking at... Almost three years. Yeah. Almost three years. <laughs> oh, that's a little different than six months. Three years. So that's that's pretty exciting. So, you know, the the... the the New York Times bestseller list goes beyond just the top 10. It's sitting at number 11 this week. Last week, I believe it was right around nine. So it's fluctuating where it is. But the fact that it's still on the list after three years really shows the pop- popularity of it. And honestly, I think it's a good indication of the popularity of the movie um, and how. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm, I, I think, think it's, it's I think it's probably climbed up again recently because of the movie news. It probably. I think that's probably really brought it to the forefront because it, it was a brilliant book. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And you've read it as well, haven't you, Holly? I have. Um, you know, and it's funny because when I read it, <clears throat> I read it a while ago, probably beginning of last year, maybe. I'd have to go back and look. But it took me a while to get into it. I yeah. had a, I had a major love hate relationship with Kaya. Like I had a real struggle with her and I'm like, okay. ah, you're driving me crazy. Um, but yeah. I, I like the storyline. I like how it, I like how it turned out. So I'm definitely going to see the movie. Like, I'm excited for that. Oh, yeah. And I'm really looking forward to that. Another book that has been, and now that I, you know, thank you, Liz, for reminding me that there's 52 weeks in a year and <laughs> we're not basing years on days. Uh, the Midnight Library is another super popular book, and it's been on the New York Times bestseller list now for 39 weeks. So it's approaching that one year mark. And it's sitting right now this week at number nine. So it's still in the top 10 as well. So um, it's it's kind of following in the footsteps of where the crawdads sing. Um, so we'll see how much longer that one stays on there. And I know you read that one too. Um, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm very surprised it's been, I'm guessing that's again from the release date because I'm sure it's only been out for just under a year. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing that again, there's also a, um, is also another one that's been out from the beginning. But no, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it's a clever concept. I know we, we kind of discussed this before the podcast and, mm-hmm. and we've had slightly kind of conflicting, um, ideas about it. So, um, yeah, so tell us what, what you thought about it. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very interesting concept and and I for me, I don't know necessarily that this was the intent of the book um because I I think you could perceive mm-hmm. it differently. Um but for me, I know people who have um committed suicide and have lost their lives and mental health is is a really important topic to me and there were moments in there where I just I felt and perceived it as almost like glorifying suicide like you know you 
you know, hey, look at all these other lives you could have you could have had. And it would be great if in real life we had that that someone could like, you know, sit down. Um, but it's just like mental health is just so serious. And um, I just I just felt that it I don't know. And, and I know that's probably a very unpopular opinion, but it's just it's just my own personal experiences with mental health and, and suicide yeah. that I just I just kind of struggled with it. But I enjoyed the book and I enjoyed the premise of it. And it's and, you know, definitely worth worth a read i think mental health is very um it's a very sensitive subject because it's very subjective Mm -hmm. it is all about how mental health affects you rather than how mental health affects people in general so i think it is very tough to to write a book based on mental health that's not going to upset a few people because what could be fine for some people could be seen as like a, a triggering effect for others so it's, it's so tough today but I think I think overall he did a good job um mm-hmm. I can see what um why it would cause a little bit of upset um but I mean well the the proof is in the pudding as such so the fact that it's been in in the top um bestsellers list in New York Times and I can also see I was just looking at them now um the one of the books we spoke about last episode Seven Hus- Husbands of Evelyn Hugo that you read is still at number six, it's climbed up this week. That's a good so one too. Yep. And Stephen King is number two. That's uh, so I'm very happy about that. <laughs> um, oh, I really, I want to get that book. It just sounds really good. And all I've heard on Bookstagram is is good things. So. Yeah. Well, the current number one to wrap up our book buzz. Uh, the current number one is. The Madness of Crowds by Louise Penny. So I believe that was a new release within the last week or so. And so, um, yeah, it's just new this week. I, to be honest, I've never heard of the book or even the author. I'm not honest. Have you read any of Louise Penny before? I haven't. Um, I, I hadn't really heard of this book and I haven't really heard of this yeah. author. So, but it's number one right now. So maybe it's worth a, worth a look. Well, I mean, it says it's the 17th book in the Chief Inspector Gamash series. So oh, well, there you go. Pretty successful to have 17 <laughs> books of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting. So that's definitely something that um, maybe is worth a look to see what kind of, you know, run they've had yeah, with I mean, those 17 books. Jeez. Yeah. Um, wow. I know. They're, they're trying to give um, Stephen King a run for those money. Uh, right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up our bookish buzz. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with what you're reading. All right. What you're reading. So, Liz, what are your thoughts and and ideas on what you've read this past month or three weeks, I guess? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So two of the books that it kind of did up me most this month or this past month is um, one that, that I saw you recommended a lot recently, which was um, Sides by Neil Schusterman. Absolutely love the series. I really, it was definitely a five star read for me. Um, I loved the concept of it and the whole idea of the cloud being this big machine which takes over the world. Just because it's it's interesting that it could actually one day be true. That's the kind of the scariest part of it. Um, and also I like the fact that it was, wasn't your typical AI takes over the world and destroys humanity. It's AI takes over the world, makes humanity better, makes them perfect. So I really liked that idea. Um, it was just, it was a nice kind of refreshing kind of concept compared to some of the other books. 
I'm so glad when I saw that you were reading it. And I'm like, yes, it's such a good series. It really is. It, and like you said, it's such a unique concept mm. and it, a twist on like technology that a lot of times we already feel overruns and rules our lives. And it was just such, such a interesting way to give the cloud a persona and, you know, personify it. So it, oh, I can't wait for you to move through the rest of the series. <laughs> Um, and my second one was actually, um, it was actually a, an arc that I read through NetGalley, um, which I thought sounded interesting. I thought, yeah, it sounds pretty good. Um, it's called All Our Darkest Secrets by Martin Ford. Um, but having read it, it, oh, it was just amazing. I really, really enjoyed it. It is um, psychological thriller, but it's the sort of one where there's always something happening. And especially the last like couple of chapters, my heart was literally pounding out of my chest because um, <laughs> I just I needed to know what happened because it was so dramatic. Um, it was such a dramatic finale. So that one was, yeah, definitely a, a big kind of highlight of my of my year's reading, and I definitely recommend that one. What is that one um, re- getting released? That one is, I think it's out now actually. Uh, I think it came out. Oh, uh, yeah, no, in fact, it came out I believe a few days ago on the first of September. Um, so yeah, no, that's that, that's out already. So yeah, I definitely recommend that. That's awesome. Yeah. So Holly, what are you reading? Oh, what, what have you read this past month? So this past month has been a really kind of a slower read for me. I, you know, I work in public education. We went back to school for, you know, our post COVID <laughs> survival time and, you know, 1700 kids in yeah. one school and, and in a weird pandemic world, I've just been swamped with, with work and my own personal children. So I've only got through a couple books this month. Um, but I did read, uh, as part of a book club, um, The Final Girls Support Group by Grady Hendricks. Um, it's been kind of popular. I've been seeing it around a lot yeah. uh, on Instagram. And I love the concept of it. it. It's really about the these final girls. And the final girls are a group of women who, as teenagers, were the sole survivor of mass murders, like mass killings. Uh, mm-hmm. And so how they have kind of rallied together, created the support group, you know, to help them cope with this horrible trauma and tragedy that they've they've dealt with i mean you've got to assume that they, they probably have like survivor's guilt and like oh, how yeah, they're pushed <laughs> yeah and just how they like have been pushed through the media throughout their teenage years and into adulthood and um so i just i thought it was interesting uh and i read it and unfortunately i was a little disappointed in it it was just a little meh like I just posted my review yesterday so um I have a a short review on my Instagram page but the full review uh is is on my blog but there I mean I liked aspects of it I just I don't know I went through most of the book going oh my god these people are crazy and not just you know the 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 final girls but like the police officers that they interact with. I'm like, they're crazy. I'm thinking of all the internal investigations (laughs) that this police department would go through. So it is truly a fictional story. So if you can do some uh, suspension of disbelief and, you know, just kind of, you know, just throw your hair back and be like, it's fiction. It's whatever can happen happens. Um, you know, it's definitely interesting. It's another one of those books for me where it's like the last couple of chapters redeemed it a little bit for me. Um, but, 
you know. So it was, you know, so that's one I read. And then I read a, a, an arc um, called The the Hidden by Melanie Golding. And it's kind of like a crime drama. Um, you have this lady who's trying to, to solve and put these pieces together. There's a man who was found unconscious in critical condition. Uh, and then there's two women and a toddler missing. And so trying to figure out, and she ends up having some very deep personal connections um, to the case. And there's uh, what, what really kind of made it cool. And, and different from some of like the other just kind of tr- you know crime stories and thrillers and stuff that are out there is Melanie Golding threw in some folklore and it was just kind of an interesting twist on it so there's like mention of um uh there's like this angle in it this arc in it that dealt with uh, silkies which are you know people who uh, at first I'm like like mermaids but it's more like people who have like this this coat and um kind of like mermaids but they become instead of mermaids they're like seals so yeah. it, so it's just it was kind of a, I'm like how are they going how is she going to meld this <laughs> folklore of selkie seal people into this like legitimate kind of crime investigation but I loved it and it's it's an arc so I read it you know the advanced copy of it it's not going to be released until November so closer to time when it when we get to the um our new and upcoming releases i'll bring it back up to remind yeah. people to check it out um so yeah. before we move into what we're currently reading um i do want to welcome kate allen she has just joined us so welcome kate hi kate yes hi guys thanks so much for having me on uh, oh. I'll, sorry i'll just sit here while you guys talk <laughs> Well, okay, just have your unmute button handy because we'll probably ask you what you're reading right now because that's what we're moving into. Um, so, Liz, talk to us about what you're reading. So, um, yeah, as I've, I've said previously, I did receive a lot of books my birthday a few days ago. So I've had plenty to choose from. Um, but I thought I'd start with The um, Cruel Prince by Holly Black, um, which is part of the Folk in, Folk in Air series. Mm-hmm. Um, so really enjoying that so far. I'm at halfway through, um, but I love fantasy and it's, it's been a genre that I've really quite heavily um, relied upon during kind of the last year and a half during all the lockdowns and everything. So it's one that I've really kind of um, really loved. And on audiobook, I'm currently listening to Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderton. Um, I started this actually about six months ago, but I never finished it. I think I just dumped onto a different book, but I thought I'd start it again. And it's nice because it's very much aimed at kind of my um, my age group because they're talking about things like Emerson Messenger and um, kind of being a teenager and talking to everyone, all your friends straight away as you get home from school. And it really kind of relates to, to my age group. You always like really relate to um, everything that she's speaking about. And it's very kind of down to earth. Um, so again, also really enjoying that. Very two very different, um, very different books. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, I've read the Cruel Prince series, so just like Scythe, I'm so excited that you're reading it. Um, so you can finish <laughs> it and we can talk about it. Um, but Definitely. yeah, what are you reading? Like? Um, so I'm reading two books as well. I am reading The Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Um, and it's it, it's really kind of cool. And um, I don't I. I I didn't really look into exactly what it's about. Sometimes I just read books because I think they sound cool or I'll see them and I don't really read the synopsis of the blurbs. Uh, But this one's been really kind of interesting. You have this girl who just, you know, she's, 
um, not living with, she doesn't have parents, so she's living with her older sister, and, you know, so they don't have a lot of money, they're kind of poor, and she's mm. just trying to make it through high school, and she is named in the will of a multi-billionaire who's just passed away. She has no idea, nobody knows how how she's connected, like the family doesn't know, she doesn't know, and the guy who passed away was pretty much a a riddler so he creates all these puzzles and so he's left all these kind of clues because they're all trying to figure out why she's in the will and basically took took the fortune took the incomplete inheritance away from this the members of the family and so the family's all mad and um but but like you know the grandsons are kind of working with her to try to figure out what that connection is. So it's been interesting. I, I like riddles like that. I like kind of like puzzle, mm. figure it out kind of kind of um, stories. So it, it's definitely a, a kind of a cool young adult book. And then I'm reading He Loves Me, She Loves Me Not by Emerson Park. She actually reached out to me and provided me a copy of this book. And it was just released on August um, – was it August 1st? It's just been recently released. Um, I want to okay. say it was August 1st that it was released. So it's out and it's available and it's more of a contemporary women's fiction um, book. And it's, it's really, I've, I've kind of hooked in it. So again, it's a girl who's kind of growing up. She, um, her dad ends up passing away. Uh, it, it's set back in uh it's kind of like a chronological timeline. Like each chapter tells you the date. Uh, it's kind of set in the late, primarily in the late eighties and her mom is not the best mom. She definitely would not win Mother of the Year Award. Um, but now her mom is in critical condition after a stroke. And so she's kind of on this mission. She's She came home from college. She's now kind of on this mission to try to figure out a little bit more about her mom. Um, and so she's found her mom's old journals. And it's completely given her mom, like her mom, a different um person it's it's like you know completely different side of her mom than what she experienced growing up with her so it's been pretty good that sounds emotional (laughs) yeah it's yeah it's kind of sad because like your heart kind of breaks for her for her just how her childhood went and and now like she's she's kind of reconciling how she felt growing up to what she's learning about her mom and her journals so yeah so kate oh go ahead liz inheritance games um that was one that i yeah i've I've seen it in a bookshop it does sound very interesting so i'll be interested to kind of have a chat with you once it's finished find yeah out your thoughts. and and not to jump ahead but book number two in the inheritance series inheritance game series is coming out on tuesday um in the united states and then on thursday in england so so when you read book one at least you know you can binge read it with book two because <laughs> there be it's being released this week it's called the the hawthorne legacy is book two Nice. <coughs> All right, Kate, what are you reading? Uh, yeah, so I actually have a couple of uh, ARCs. I um, I got approved for a bunch of ARCs and then sent stuff recently. Um, so I'm listening to an audiobook ARC for um, a book called First Love Take Two. Um, and it's, it's kind of a contemporary romance. Um, so far, it seems like the, the main character, she's a doctor, and um, she had to break up with her first boyfriend over family disapproval. And so um, she kind of gets a second shot at dating him. And I don't know where it's going, but I like it so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and then um, I got sent another arc called O. William by Elizabeth Strout. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. have seen that floating around. Um, I think it was a penguin random house book, but I can't, I can't exactly remember. They sent it to me uh, a little while ago, but um, yeah. And that one is more of a, um, I don't know if either of you have read sorrow and bliss by Meg Mason, Mm-mm. but it kind of reminds yeah. me of that. It's, it's more like a really sentimental um, uh, emotional contemporary stream of consciousness read. If that Ooh, makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a little literary. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. It's kind of a literary <laughs> yeah. fiction. But uh, yeah. I love stream of consciousness because I think that's how I talk. <laughs> so I can, yeah. I, I can really do. Sometimes I don't really think before I speak and then I'll just speak and everyone's like, what are you talking about? So I can relate to stream of consciousness. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think some readers really hate it. They think it's hard to follow. But for me, it kind of makes a weird sense to read so i i enjoy that too so yeah that's awesome uh all right so um let's talk just quickly because we already talked about one about some new uh and upcoming releases september is going to be a big month Uh, yeah we've got a lot of releases coming out um i we talked about this before the podcast it does seem to be that autumn um autumn months do tend to be very popular for for new book releases so i'm quite excited to see kind of what what the next few months brings as well as these ones coming up yeah so like for example we talked about the hawthorne legacy book two and the inheritance games coming out um this this week actually and there's another book that's coming out this week it's actually already out in england but the night she disappeared by Lewis by Lisa Jewell um, comes out in the United States on Tuesday, Tuesday, which would be tomorrow. And um, but it's currently out, and I've been seeing that one. That one seems to be pretty popular right now. I'm seeing it floating around on uh, Instagram a lot. Yeah, no, it, it does. Lisa Jewell does tend to be quite a good one. I think I've, I've read a few of her books. I haven't read any recently, but um, no, she is a very good, um, very talented writer. So it'd be interesting to see how that one does. I think I read her first one um, called Ralph's Party, which came out mm. years ago now. Um, but no, really good book. So definitely looking forward to, to seeing how that does. Um, and the next one, there's also, um, which if you've been looking at um, Instagram recently on my page, um, I did a review of it and it's TJ Clean's new book, um, Under the Whispering Door. That comes out on the 21st of September. Um, I know for the UK, it only comes out on the Kindle in September. I don't know mm. whether it's coming out physical in the US, is it, on 21st September? I believe so. Yeah, I think our one's not coming out physical until October, so I'm guessing mm. there's been some sort of um, stock delay there. But it is a brilliant book. Um, so I don't want to give away too much, but basically there's this old guy who is um, who works in law. He's very much career-driven. He's very self-centered doesn't have friends or family because he lives for work he lives for his success um he dies and then he's taken to uh to the ferryman uh, who helped try to help him accept his his death and move on to the next the next life so i haven't actually read the first one um holly did oh. a, did an amazing job and she actually she bought me the first book um for my birthday so i couldn't I make it a bigger hint like liz you gotta read it so i'm just gonna buy it for you for your birthday because you've got to read the house on the cerulean sea um but if it's any if it's anywhere near as good as, as under the whispering door it is gonna be amazing but yeah definitely check it out on 21st september um for the us and uk awesome 
Um, another one that's coming out is a book by Anthony. I believe his last name is, is Durer. I'm not sure, but he is the author of All the Lights We Cannot See, which is another book that we see a lot kind of floating around on Instagram. But he has a new book coming out on September 28th in both England and the United States, which is called Cloud Cuckoo Land. So, um, I don't know, just the title itself sounds intriguing and I'm hooked. So I'll probably be checking yeah. that out at some point. I've had All the Lights We Cannot See on my Kindle for so long. It's just one of those books I haven't actually got around to reading yet. Mm-hmm. But I've heard a lot of good things. I think um, Books and Margaritas just um, read it recently. Oh, I have so it too. And I just see. like, it's one of those books that just kind of like, I just kind of pass over it for whatever <laughs> reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and of course, we've got one other one coming out this month, which is by Nicholas Sparks. I love um, him. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> Um, so really look forward to this one. It is called The Wish, um, and that one is out on September 28th, um, both in, uh, in the US and the UK. Um, this one is, uh, I haven't actually looked up blurbs. <laughs> it, um, obviously it's going to be another kind of heart-wrenching <coughs> love story. Um, yeah, it's a heart-wrenching story about discovery and loss. Um, it's a reminder that time with those precious to us is the greatest gift of all. Hmm. I mean, if anything, you know that when, with a Nicholas Sparks book, you're going to cry mm-hmm. and you're going to be heartbroken. <laughs> exactly. He has he has an absolute way with with emotive language. So yeah, it looks a bit like the picture looks a bit kind of Christmassy. So it might be something worth reading nearer to the, the Christmas season. It's got lots of snow on it and, and things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I love like the Christmas. See, I'm not a huge romance which, reader, which is good that we're going into um, our interview with with Kate here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do I do really enjoy um, mm-hmm. like watching Hallmark Christmas yeah. movies as well, and I like reading. <laughs> I like reading books that follow like the same kind of like Hallmark movie feelish. Um, yeah. I like I like that. Nicholas Sparks doesn't give me the Hallmark um, <laughs> movie. I'm always like. <laughs> heartbroken and, and sobbing so but I still but for some reason we still go back and we still read his books because they're just really uh, good yeah we're, we're a sucker for, for torture yeah aren't we <laughs> oh my gosh but I mean dear John the notebook I love the notebook and the, the film especially was just I can watch that so many times I know uh. <laughs> All right, so a lot of good books on the horizon. We're, I, th- I think we're reading some really good books. I'm really into to what we're reading right now. Um, so we uh, can't wait to see what are like to get to these new books. So we're going to take another short little break, and then we will be back, and we're going to dive in to our interview with Kate Allen. Okay. All right. Have a quick break. Uh, oh, we're still, yeah, we're still going. We're still recording. We just kind of pause a little okay. bit so we know where to put mm-hmm. in different things, but we're back now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, Liz, would you like to kind of kick us off? Yes. Yeah, so as um, we previously said, we have Kate Allen here with us today, which we are so happy to have you here. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, obviously, she is the writer of Fear of Flying, um, which I had the pleasure of reviewing and, and was part of the book tour quite a while ago now. It was quite a good few months ago. Um, so start off, um, tell us a bit about yourself, Kate. Sure. Um, so Fear of Flying was my first novel. Um, and um, I'm an attorney during the day. I'm based in te- Texas, uh, Dallas, Texas, to be specific. 
Um, and yeah, I mostly just write, travel, do random creative stuff in my free time. And then, you know, I lawyer during the day. (laughs) So, um, what, what made you first want to become an author? What inspired you? So I have actually been writing, uh, since I was about five or seven. Um, so it's been a long time dream of mine to have a book published, um, both of my parents have dabbled in writing, mostly journalism, when I was growing up. So, um, yeah. And they're both very avid readers. So, it, I don't know, it just kind of fell into place. And then I actually studied English literature for my um, my bachelor's degree. So, yeah. That's kind of cool. I, my undergraduate degree is actually in journalism as well. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it, it's it's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, because I mean, it, it's, you know, it's kind of like where you know, I went into it going, hmm, I can be a journalist. You know, I, I was, I did journalism in high school. I'm like, I like writing. I like interviewing people and kind of investigating things and figuring things out. And then, of course, I, uh, I am, I am not a, uh, a journalist right now. <laughs> Changed my major about four times yeah. in college, but, um, became a teacher, but I will say I taught journalism for many years at the high school level. And so I still got to, to experience my love of journalism and pass that love on. And at least I can see some of my former students now working for, you know, TV stations in Wisconsin and, doing social media stuff for companies. So it's like, I'm living vicariously through them since I decided not to pursue that field. So you you guys studied journalism at high school. Yeah. So we had a, um, and even at the high school I'm at right now, we have um, a journalism program. And so we, uh, it looks a lot different now. When I was in high school, we actually had to do the old-fashioned broadsheets, and we had to do the measurements, and we had to like, oh, wow. like you know, send it all in. And I mean, and that was in the '90s, so it's not like you know, back in the '50s. But you know, technology just shows how quickly technology advanced from like you know yeah. when I was doing this in 1995 in high school to now, and even like when I was teaching it, um, it evolved from when I was teaching it to we mm. we digitally designed every like all the pages and we just submitted the pages and they printed the newspaper to now we don't really do printed newspapers anymore we have our online news sites so our kids now learn how to do journalistic writing photography and all that stuff but then they learn how to build it and maintain it as like a live website yeah no we had to wait i had to wait till i got to university to study journalism they didn't do it at college or or at school for us so we had I think the closest thing we did was um media studies oh so mm-hmm. yeah no it's, it's interesting that you guys study journalism I'm so jealous I would have <laughs> loved to have started early <laughs> yeah I um I grew up in a really small town and we didn't we didn't have media studies or journalism in high school so um that sounds fantastic I'm really jealous of the kids <laughs> these days <laughs> yeah <laughs> <for them. laughs> me too I, they're just they're able to be exposed to so much that we just you know and, and it's sad because, like, none of us are that old. Um, you know, according to my 13-year-old, you're not old until you're 60, and I don't think anybody here <laughs> is, is 60. Um, but it's just like, I don't, it just, it just shows just how quick everything changes. And I don't know. 
Um, okay. So, I mean, now they do like coding at school. Yeah. So that's something we never mm-hmm. would have done yeah. at school. Yeah. And we have coding at our high school. Like as, as early as yeah. ninth grade, our kids can take coding. They can take exactly. four years of coding and go right into like a <laughs> computer science program and probably be further ahead than some of the college freshmen. Yeah. So it's, mm-hmm. it is insane. For the sure. opportunities. Um, okay. Kate, can you just talk us, talk us through your writing plan? process like what does that look like um like do you plan a lot before you get started do you just dive right in and have it become a stream of consciousness and then you you know revamp it later um so i don't i'm not a big plotter you know what they call uh, like those people those uh, authors who have like those fabulous spreadsheets and like charts and i think that's amazing <laughs> and i have i've tried to be that person but so far the thing that seems to work um and actually help me finish books is to just dive into it um i wouldn't really say the narratives are stream of consciousness but i do um i do scene hop you know mm-hmm. so i i kind of big picture know exactly what i want the ending to be what i want to happen um and you know my my document while i'm writing kind of has little um you know, headers, very long descriptive headers for, you know, scenes that come to mind. Um, and I just hop around um, and then I kind of, you know, Frankenstein the manuscript at the end to make it fit the way that I want it to rather than, you know, the order I wrote it in. Um, and then I edit it a bunch. It makes my life harder, but at least it's on paper. So. I find <laughs> I that so fascinating that, that yeah. that's how you do it. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I would be able to to keep myself straight. Like how how do you not get it all kind of like mixed up and how do you how do you know like I'm cuz I'm assuming at the end when you're frankensteining it back together that you have like pages upon pages upon pages of writing. How do you know that you're that you're actually getting it back in like the order in your that you have it in your head? So I do um, I mean, mostly from feedback, I, I go through my drafts several times. And like I said, it makes my life more difficult. I think, I think the authors who tend to plan more thoroughly and are able to, you know, write, um, you know, in a linear manner, I think their lives are probably a lot easier. They probably don't have as many messy drafts as I do, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I do the best I can. I, it's usually just the story. I have it so clearly in my mind how I want it. So whenever I reread the draft, um, you know, it sticks out to me if I realize, um, you know, oh, this narrative beat isn't where it should be. I actually intended for it to be here or it works better. Um, so it's pretty easy. It's just time consuming. Um, and it, you know, it takes a few more drafts. But then I also, um, you know, have critique partners. And then, of course, editors uh-huh. um, are the, the biggest ones that, you know, uh, help cut what doesn't need to be there or, you know, kind of make things make sense that to me at the time they, you know, it made sense to me when I wrote it, but you know, it's not really getting across to an objective reader. So, you know, those people are imperative, especially when you're a messy writer. Like I think. (laughs) (laughs) I love the fact you describe yourself as a messy writer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just the truth. (laughs) I think that's a fascinating way of of making it. I'd say like, we've only had one other author on and, it's just so interesting to hear about the different methods that each author has and, and how everyone writes differently. Um, so what else, what are you working on at the moment? Are you working on a new, new project or? Yes. So I, I actually have something that I can't talk about, but I'm very excited about it. I, um, I have some thriller 
news, but I'm probably going to be publishing it under a pen name that's unrelated to Kate Allen, just because the genre is so different. Yeah. So I, I can't really talk about it too much, but it seems like we might have an offer on that end. So I'm very excited about that um, wow. when that news is going to come through. Um, and then I also am working on another um, contemporary romance. So, uh, you know, hopefully that'll be coming out sometime next year. So. Yeah, fantastic. That's exciting. <laughs> that is exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it's exciting, but it's kind of like, oh, just tell us, but we get it. We understand. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like a very recent thing, so that's why I have to mention it because yeah. I'm super excited about it. But, I, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, I nope. can't show the juicy details, um, but, yeah. <laughs> no, nope, we'll, we'll be waiting for when you can. Exactly. Yeah. We'll keep our eyes <laughs> How far, uh, how far through are you for the contemporary romance? How's that going along, coming along? So it's, um, it's in the editing process. Um, and it's not quite as messy as Fear of Flying was when it was in the draft stage. So it's, it's kind of getting, getting along there. So yeah, yeah it's, um, but yeah, it's near the end. It actually takes place in Texas. Um, and it has a lot of food involved in the narrative, which I always think is nice. We yeah. love books Very with good. food. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. you need any art readers, you've got two perfect ones right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Food and romance. This is like two of the best combinations. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's also bartending. One of the main characters is a, you know, a hunky bartender. Mm. So, um, yeah. I'm already yes. intrigued. <laughs> And and Definitely. as another selling point, he's the one who cooks. So because um, I oh. I think men cooking is amazing. So. Yeah, no, I completely agree. One hundred percent agree. Sold, completely sold. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it's interesting um, that you're talking about like the news is like kind of a different genre that you're that you're writing. Um, now uh, with fear of flying, you know we've heard like that it's kind of classified as a romance, but we've also heard that's kind of also just contemporary like fiction. How, how would you describe your writing style? Like where would you categorize your books and your genres? Oh man. Uh, so since, uh, <laughs> you know, I think Liz actually, I think you might've commented on my post yeah. about, um, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago. I was writing about <laughs> how, um, like romance and women's fiction, I think it's such a, a weird blurred line that mm. people are asked to draw. Um, and that kind of, it came out with, um, you know, Helen Huang, her new book. She had had some criticism that um, uh, some reviewers didn't think it was real romance because it focused a lot on the female characters uh, development and working through grief, which my book has a lot of, you know, heavier themes yeah. Um and I kind of got some similar feedback because there's a lot of mental health issues and then also grief in my book. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's kind of um, inextricably intertwined with the romance. Um, so I don't know. That's a great question. I, I would think that Nicholas Sparks is actually romance, but I don't think a lot of people think that because he doesn't have happy endings um, <laughs> most, if any of the times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not sure if I've ever read anything that yeah. he's written that has a happy ending. <laughs> so that's a great question. I, I would think, um, I don't know. I think my book is, you know, broadly contemporary fiction, but it's also women's fiction because it follows, you know, the main character's journey. But there are a few point of view shifts uh, between her and the male, uh, the male lead. 
um, that I think kind of put it into the romance genre. So it's tricky. So, so then when you, when you write then, um, cause I think, cause I, I write, I've been writing since I was 13. I just haven't done anything with anything I write. Um, mm-hmm. but I just like, so I, when I write, I just write because I think I have a cool story idea and I just want to write and I don't try to pigeonhole it into a specific genre. Mm-hmm. So when you write, is that more or less kind of like you try not to like say this is, this is going to be this genre. I just want to write and enjoy what I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's exactly how it is. Um, I actually didn't even start looking into genre classifications and all the little nuances until I was querying my uh, my other book and then also, you know, Fear of Flying. Um, so it's, uh, and then I started, you know, when you're querying agents and things like that, you have to pitch it. And so then I started wondering, what is my book exactly? <laughs> um, and that, that was the first time I'd really heard of women's fiction. Um, and then, you know, I kind of thought, I don't know, I feel like my book could fit into women's fiction. Uh, but broadly speaking, it does also check the boxes for romance. So, um, you know, I kind of just tailored it to fit into what people were asking for if I thought that the, the characters and the plot they were looking for was there. So, so yes, I don't really pay any mind to genre when I'm writing. It's just something that, you know, unfortunately you have to research and look at afterwards. Interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. So, um, obviously talking of your, your daily novel, Fear of Flying, um, as I say, I've read it and I really enjoyed it. It was such a, a great read. Um, just talk about where, where did the idea originally come from? Um, so I have been everywhere that uh, they travel to in the books. And, um, I don't know, I thought I love travel. I love romance. I thought it would be kind of a fun idea to have, um, you know, a character who's at a low point of her life, um, in her, you know, early twenties trying to figure out what's going on. Um, you know, she ends up on an unexpected trip. Um, and, you know, it was kind of a way for me to work through, some broader themes that I always think about, you know, uh, with loss and grieving um, and, you know, what makes it so terrifying to care deeply about someone when you're, you know, you've just lost someone else that you very deeply care about. Um, and so I, I thought a great way to do that would be to explore it through these fictional characters and put them in a, a completely different setting than I've ever been in, <laughs> you know, like a, mm-hmm. The, the framework of their lives is completely different from mine. Um, yeah. But, you know, it kind of, it was fun to make these characters and flesh them out and see how they explored these themes that I've come across in my life. So, Fantastic. yeah. Yeah, no, it, it was a brilliant read. And I think, haven't you picked up a copy recently, Holly, as far as seen- I have a copy of it. I have not started it yet, but I have a copy. Um, and I am super excited to, to dive into it and, and read it. So, um, yeah. So well, thank you so much for reading it. That's awesome. I hope you like it. Um, I'm it is, sure I will. It's a little bit heavier. So <laughs> just be warned. I can handle a heavy have, book. Have, Absolutely. I, I, I yeah, got have, this. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, okay. So you, you talk about it, it, it's a kind of a heavier book and, and things like that. You have a pretty heavy career. You're a lawyer. Um, so 
so kudos to you because I could never do that. Um, I, I do, I do know my limitations. Um, so, but everything in our life, like our jobs and everything do impact who we are and how we perceive the world and, and how we look at things. So how has your work as a lawyer, and I'm also curious to know what kind of lawyer you are, if you're willing to share that, but how has your work as a lawyer impacted your writing? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I actually think, um, so, you know, as I said, I've been writing for a very long time. Um, I, I took a break between my undergrad and, you know, while I was in law school, I didn't really write fiction. Um, but I wrote a lot of, um, you know, part, just part of law school and being a lawyer is constantly writing, but it's not the fun type. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I, I feel like just the technical aspect of it really helped me. It made me more of an analytical thinker when it comes to writing. Um, obviously, the uh, organization part doesn't translate to my writing process. And I think that's actually why I kind of resist the organization, because it, it kind of separates the fun writing from, you know, my day job. Um, but I mean, there's there's really no big legal themes or um, or anything in a fear of flying. I think it's mostly just the technical aspects have kind of informed how I tackle, um, you know, plot lines and, you know, maybe logic and things like that. So if that makes sense. Absolutely. Know. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. And then um, um, as far as, t- Oh, sorry, go ahead. I don't know. You carry on. Don't worry. <laughs> you carry on. Uh, no, I was just going to say, as far as type of lawyer, I actually, during law school, I was, um, I was really focused into criminal law and then also tax law. Um, I do neither of those now. I did practice tax law for a brief time. Um, but yeah, I do mostly business, intellectual property, and, um, you know, estate planning, that kind of thing. So it's completely different from what I was planning to do during law school, but, but I'm very happy with it. So, but it's almost like more connected to what you do as an author if you're doing like intellectual mm-hmm. law and stuff like that. And so exactly. I can, I can see, I can see that connection there. So that's really cool. Exactly. You can make you can make sure you know how to cop, like copyright your your brand and your exactly. your book <laughs> and keep it safe. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so talking of writing, um, who are your your literary inspirations? Who do you kind of look up to? Um, so I don't know. Uh, that's such a tricky question. I feel like I just in the past year I have stumbled upon so many new authors. Yeah. Um, that I didn't really know existed until I was reviewing things for, you know, my, my bookstagram account, uh, before I got published. Um, who have been some of your, who have been some of your highlights of the year then, authorwise? Um, okay. So since I mentioned it earlier with the currently reading section, so Meg Mason, I think she's fantastic. She's amazing. Um, she only has a couple of books out, but I think she's fantastic. Mm. Um, and you guys should definitely read her book, Sorrow and Bliss. Okay. I think it's amazing. <laughs> So um, she's actually a UK author, I believe. Okay. I and I think she, I think she's a UK author, but she lives in Australia. I could be, I could oh, wow. be completely flip flopped on that. But um, so her, and then I think, um, let's see, um, Taylor Jenkins Reid. I always get her her name confused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think she's fantastic. Um, and I just recently discovered her too, but she has so many books, uh, backlogged mm. over the years that I need to kind of catch up on. Which um, two did you read? Um, so I really like, um, 
Daisy Jones and the Six. That was like, the latest yeah, one I, that I read. I just listened to that audio book. So good. Really, really enjoyed that. It's one. amazing. I think it's made for audio. The I, yeah, I started reading the quick. the ebook and then I, I switched over to the audio and I, I thought the performances were amazing. It was yes. so great. Oh no, no, definitely. It has to be. That's the one that I would I don't usually read fiction like listen to fiction on audio I like memoirs and autobiographies but this one was just made to be audiobook it was such a brilliant performance yeah yeah and I think she's really good at um she's a very I think um introspective writer Mm. like she really likes to look at personal relationships so I also I read um Malibu Rising the latest one that came out yeah and I I thought she was really she's very deft at looking at you know interpersonal relationships and stuff so yeah That's awesome. So this question might be a little connected to that um, in who you choose, but if you could collaborate with any writer, living or dead, who would you want to collaborate with and why? Um, Okay, so living or dead. So I think (laughs) this is probably an answer that everybody would give, but I think Jane Austen would be amazing to collaborate with. Because I think, um, <laughs> I think, I think she's a really, or she was a really cool person. But then also, I think she would have so many interesting things and insights into our society these days. Mm. Um, you know, she was. I feel like a lot of her books books had a really interesting, you know, subtext about how society was at the time. And so, um, I would be really interested to see her feedback about, you know, the current relationships going on in the world today. So, yeah. Great choice. That is, yeah, that is a good choice. <laughs> I love really it. <clears throat> so, um, obviously, recently you have set up a new website, a new blog called This Book is Lit. Um, so just tell us a bit about it and, and where did the idea come from? So I actually started that website. Um, I'm trying to remember when I started my book Instagram account. I guess it was um, at the very beginning of the pandemic last March, maybe um, the, in the year that we don't like to talk about. <laughs> the year that doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, I started it back then and then I just kind of left it there and neglected it. I posted a few reviews, yeah. but I found that, you know, Instagram seemed to be more, um, more the place to be where all the, mm. the book parties are at. So, <laughs> so um, I kind of just left it there. And then, um, you know, going through the the author marketing process and everything on my own, I just felt like I um, was kind of, uh, I felt like there were a lot of people that I wasn't connecting with that had like their own stories to tell and everything. And so I, I wanted to kind of connect more with, you know, book reviewers um, illustrators and then authors that, you know, we don't necessarily, you know, they're not on the the top 10 bestsellers list, maybe necessarily, but, um, you know, they're, they're great. They have insights and stories to share and they have their own reader base. And, you know, um, I, I just, I thought it'd be fun to, to kind of revamp my neglected website and make it more of a, a hub <laughs> for, um, for, you know, book nerds. Um, of all sorts, authors and readers. <laughs> yeah, no, so, I, I think yeah. it's such a good idea. And yeah, I, I love your site. It's, I think that's the kind of thing that I wanted to go for. I wanted to kind of bring together a community and to be able to interact with, as I say, with writers, with, with bookstagrammers, all different kind of areas of the, the book community as such and bring it all together. So, and of course, I did have a little, a little article on your site, um, a few weeks yes. ago. <laughs> so thank you for that. 
Um, no, thank you for doing that. That was great. <laughs> and I, um, you know, the other thing is when I uh, was first publishing my book, you have to you have to go through the process of asking other authors to read and blurb your book um, if you want to quote and stuff. And that was really my first time interacting with these great published authors that I admire. And um, and I just found out that people are so supportive and, mm-hmm. you know, they're all the creative people really love, you know, everybody's books and I just, I kind of wanted to keep that warm community and spread it more because I think it's fantastic. So <laughs> that's, it's so cool. Like, you know, I, I looked at your website this morning and it's, it's really cool. And of course, you know, you're active on, on Bookstagram and that community in itself is just, it, it's one of the best communities to be part yeah. of if you're, if you're involved with, with books and writing and just the love of literature. Um, but as an author, what advice would you give to someone who's trying to write their first book? Um, I think I think the biggest thing, and it's you know, it's the most straightforward piece of advice. It's not even advice; everybody knows it. Just get it on paper is the most important thing. <laughs> but the reason I say that is because um, you know, when you were asking me about my writing process, I, I mentioned how I'd kind of forced myself to be more of a, a planner, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I thought that I had to you know, to force myself to, to really be this, um, you know, organized, uh, person, which I think works for a lot of people. And I think some people might actually be fighting the opposite way. I think there are people who try to just dive in and then they're not able to get it all on paper because they're actually planners. Mm. Um, and so I think the best thing is just no matter what it takes, find a way that works for you and get it on paper. And then, you know, the rest you can deal with. That's really the hardest part just getting your story out. (laughs) Great advice. Cause, and and sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is just to, to get it on paper, but Mm -hmm. also just to not realize that your first draft is not going to be the end draft by any means. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I would just say, don't fight your nature, you know, whoever you are as a writer, find it, but you know, don't try to force yourself into, you know, being a specific type of writer. (laughs) And I think a lot of people do that. So yeah. Yeah. Nice completely brilliant advice um what would be your favorite book of all time do you have like a a book that you go back to time and time again um uh yeah I actually have a couple so I I did go through a phase where I really loved um reading Jane Eyre over and over again (laughs) (laughs) I haven't read it in several years but I I think it's a fantastic book um so I love Jane Eyre and then the other one um, these are kind of just classics that they always make you read, but I don't know. I I love them. <laughs> the Outsiders by F. E. Hinton. Love I that love one. That book. Oh, stay gold, pony boy. Yes, it breaks my heart every time, but I I absolutely love that book. Um, so those are kind of my my two classics that I'll read over and over again. They would probably be the ones I'd bring on like a desert island scenario too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. No, I've never actually read The Outsiders. I think it's a very kind of American um, school education um, book. True. I think you should Americana. Yeah, gotta read it. You have to read it. Like I, I really think you you would enjoy it. You'd get you'd get a lot out of it. Um, But yeah, so yeah, because super short too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Also, before we go into the next section, I've just got to mention. So you've got a, um, a guitar in the background. Are you quite a musical person? Uh, okay. So yes, I do have a guitar in the background, but no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not very good at it. 
I, um, so I actually, I grew up playing clarinet and, um, and then when I switched schools, I think I was 16 or something. And I, I didn't want to play clarinet anymore. I wanted to play like a cool instrument. And so I sold my clarinet and I bought this guitar. (laughs) Um, and that was, you know, a while ago and I, you know, I've played it on and off. Um, I, but no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not good at it, but I enjoy it. It's fun. <laughs> I also have a ukulele that's over there that I'm a little oh, bit wow. better at, but, um, cause it's, you know, it's tinier, it's easier to manage, yeah. but, but no. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Uh, so we're on to our final um, section. So this is our either or, um, for anyone who hasn't listened to the podcast before, we will ask, um, 10 questions and it'd be an either or. So, Everyone has to answer. So Kate and Holly and myself have to answer. Um, it's just a, a gut instinct one. It's a, a quick fire round um, just to finish off the episode. So um, are you guys ready today? Ready. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What order, Liz? Okay. Who, who do you, how, how, what order do you want us to answer in? <clears throat> uh, should we go Kate, you, me? Perfect. Cool. Okay. So let's start. Um, friends to lovers or enemies to lovers? Friends to lovers. Enemies to lovers. Yeah, enemies to lovers. Um, flowers or chocolate? Uh, uh, flowers. I'm going to go flowers. Yeah, flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Love triangles or linear? Oh, uh, oh, love triangles. Yeah. I'm going to go love triangles. Yeah, got to have a bit, bit of drama. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Slow burn or act first, think later? Uh, slow burn. Um, I'm going to go act first, think later. Okay, slow burn. Flying or road trip? Uh, uh, flying, yeah. You can go more places. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm going to go road trip. Yeah, I'm going to go road trip. Although that's true, flying is more places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cute or sexy? Uh, cute. Uh, I'm going to go cute. I'm going to go sexy. Just <laughs> <laughs> Way to be different. Uh, exactly. Uh, forbidden, forbidden love or unrequited? Oh, uh, unrequited. Breaks my heart every time. Love it. <laughs> I'm going to go forbidden. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go forbidden. Um, writing in silence or with background noise? Uh, silence. Silence. Yeah, silence. Uh, spontaneous plans or organized plans? Uh, spontaneous. Um, <laughs> can I say organized spontaneous? <laughs> If I had, if I had to pick, <clears throat> so I like spontaneous, but I like to be a little bit organized in my spont- spontaneity. But I would probably go spontaneous if I had to pick. Yeah, everything is spontaneous. Um, and finally, romantic beach holiday or big city adventure? Uh, romantic beach holiday. Absolutely, romantic beach holiday. It's got to be the beach holiday. Has to be. <laughs> Has to be. <laughs> Fantastic. See, there we go. You guys have survived the either or section. Um, 
So that is it from us. Um, so thank you so much, Kate, for joining us. Um, and just before we yeah. go, can you just remind um, people out there of how they can contact you, your social media media names? Oh, sure. Yes. My handle on Instagram is uh, the.rolling.scone. Um, and um, uh, on Twitter, I'm Kate Allen Wright. And then uh, the website, of course, you know, the book, book nerd hub is this book is lit.com. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, and just a, remi- just a reminder from our social media. So you can catch me on Instagram at Lizzie's Little Booknick. Um, and my website is lizzieslittlebooknick.co.uk. And Holly, remind us of your handles again. On Instagram, you can find me at AZ Desert Bookworm. And my blog is thebookshelf.substack.com. Um, and we, again, thank Kate. Thank you for joining us today. It was super fun to, to learn about you and talk with you and share our love of literature and books and writing. Um, our next episode will be dropping on October 4th. So we have about a four week span now between, but what we're super excited about, Liz, um, uh, is that we're doing two episodes in October, one at the beginning of the month and one at the end of the month. Um, do you want to say something quick about our end of October show? Yeah, so uh, the next, the final one in October is going to be October 25th. So um, it's going to be obviously right near Halloween. So we're going to do a special kind of horror thriller special um, talking about our favorite horror books. So that's really exciting. Um I love October because it's such an excuse to get all the horror books out, all the Stephen Kings and the Poe and everything else. So really looking forward to that. Um, and don't forget, you can also follow the podcast um, on Instagram as well, which is at Speaking Literally uh, Podcast. And we're also on Facebook as well. Yeah. So, um, so go ahead. The next. Oh, <laughs> so um, that's about it from us. So thank you again, Kate, for joining us. Um, any final words, Sally? No, just thank you, everyone, for your support and listening to our podcast. And make sure that you check out Kate Allen's book, Fear of Flying. Um, and then be watching for her news uh, on her on her new um, projects that are coming out. And then we will see you guys all again in October. Thanks, everyone. Bye.